When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome in to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here on a beautiful Friday. Saturday night will be the night practice for the Minnesota Vikings. Always a fun way to break things up. Joining me, he is from a hotel room in Nebraska. For some reason, I do not know. Myron Metcalf, what is up, Myron? Doing well, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm posted up in Nebraska, man, which is an interesting place, man. Interesting place. Uh, Lawrence Phillips driving by there in Nebraska. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. That's, that's, no. No. Man. I did, well, I, I did go to the football stadium, and I tell you what, it's like you can tell why they were winning championships in the 90s, man. Like, this this place is uh, it's pretty wild, the kind of facilities they have here. Lawrence Phillips is one of my early life disappointments of, yeah, college players don't always work out in the NFL, right? I mean, Nebraska was so much fun as a team, and Phillips was unstoppable. And, yeah. you know, when you're a little kid, you just like anybody who's good. I mean, all little kids like, what, like the Warriors and Steph Curry, right? Yeah. So I just liked uh, Nebraska football. I love watching Lawrence Phillips. And then the NFL didn't work out so good for him. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, NFL and then life. I mean, he ended up in prison, and, and they had a rough stretch after that. But that team, you know, seeing Tommy Frazier and him, I mean, this yeah, is Yeah, Tommy Frazier. That, that, was, that was my childhood, man, watching those guys uh, kick everybody's butt in the Big 12. Oh. And then the Big 10 has just been sort of like, oh, they're still in the Big 10? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I didn't even know it, you know? Uh, are you allowed to say, or is it a secret of what you are doing in Nebraska, what you're writing about? Uh, I'm not supposed to disclose that kind of okay, stuff, but I right. do. But I do cover college basketball, uh, so I mean, I may be here for a college basketball story. And there's only one Division One team in the state, so I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you can figure it out. Uh, I think you can you, figure it out if you really want to. All right, well, let's yeah. let's talk football then, Myron. Um, I, I want to start out with something that has been discussed quite a bit out at TCO Performance Center over the last few days. Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins both had a lot to say about expectations with this team. And uh, Adam Thielen kind of unprompted started talking about how he didn't really love that last year a lot of guys in the locker room seemed to buy into the Super Bowl or bust thing. And he was talking about how you know teams that win the Super Bowl, they just go out and do their job. A little bit cliche, but he seemed to be frustrated by what happened last year around this time with the team possibly buying into the Super Bowl or bust thing. And then when Kirk Cousins was asked about it, Myron, he was talking about how, well, if you don't have people asking you about high expectations, then you're probably irrelevant and you don't want to be irrelevant. So it's kind of two different ways to look at it. So that made me think a lot about this team and how it's very tricky to come up with expectations. And maybe we could start there. Just from your perspective, what is your expectations for the 2019 Minnesota Vikings season? I mean, if, if you want to just get to, I think, the raw expectation, it's getting to the playoffs and then being competitive there. I, I mean, it, to me, it's hard, unless you're the Patriots or, or a team that's had sort of this remarkable run, and you go, okay, Super Bowl, right? Right. Because it, 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 you don't know the matchups. You don't know what they're going to run into. But you go into the playoffs as a competitive team with a chance, right? I think that's the... That's the idea, and that's the hope. Again, I'm going to stay on 2017 
uh, until the Kirk Cousins era is over because Mike Zimmer told us that give me my quarterback and everything will be okay. Right. And he has his quarterback and it wasn't okay a year ago. So, I, I, you know, we talked like last year was sort of like, oh, my goodness, it's big disappointment. The Vikings fan base was on this most tortured fan base list on <laughs> yes. Yahoo yesterday. Yes. Like, are you are you kidding me? In 2017, they were one game away from getting to the Super Bowl. Let's not be ridiculous. So I think definitely being a playoff team, being competitive uh, when they get to the playoffs, I, I think, you know, anything short of a win, I think a lot of people will be disappointed not getting a playoff win. But don't even talk to me if you're not talking playoffs. Okay. Hold, what's this all for? We, we got we got to pause for a second in the expectation conversation. I totally think Minnesota Vikings fans deserve to be on the tortured list because they're the best team without a Super Bowl uh, in any decade. They've been right there on the doorstep, and it's always with a backup quarterback, and they can never quite get over it. Or it's always there's a kicking problem where it goes wide left or something. I mean, they're there in 87. They're there in 98. They're there in 2017. Uh, they're there in 2009, and they can never get quite over that hump because of all these disasters. I think, Myron, it's just as tortured to be really, really good and never actually get that Super Bowl as it is to be consistently bad. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Look, I, I'll put this in terms of uh, when I was a younger man, I used to frequent the nightclubs, you know, as the kids say. Uh, <laughs> and I lived and I lived in New York City, right? You're old, there man. Was some, I am. There were some uh, pretty pretty ritzy clubs, right? Mm-hmm. And you get into this club, and it's cool, but then you see VIP. And, you know, that's a whole different class of folks, right? You're not getting in VIP, right? The Vikings are in the club. They just can't ever get into the VIP section. The Browns haven't even been in the club. Right. Okay. I mean, teams like that aren't, can't even get into the door. You're trying to sweet talk the bouncer, <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to give them 20 bucks to let you get in. That, to me, is torture where you're on the outside looking in for decades. The Vikings haven't been in that position. If you're a Vikings kid over the last decade, you have seen two NFC championships, right? Didn't go your way, but you've been in two NFC championships with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I don't think that's torture. Okay, but to say that they... Wait, now they also went to one against the Giants in the 41 Donut, too. So, I mean, they've, they've true, been... True, you're so, right. So they've been... That, that's the one I, I looked over. But but think about those, Myron. This is why it's so such a torture, is that they have been in those, and it's either ended in complete disaster that you're going to remember forever how soul-crushing that was, or you didn't even show up the two other times. You couldn't just play a good, regular football game and come up a little short you know, 21-17 or something and get outplayed. It had to be a wide left kick. It had to be 41 donut. It had to be, you know, the 38-7 to game in Philadelphia. I, I think that that's torture right there when you always get that close and you're consistently good enough and you feel like eventually one of these times is going to click, right? And then it never, ever does. I, I think this franchise has the same sort of feel as the Browns before they stopped being the Browns, before they moved to Baltimore, where they had so much success and they were consistently good, and Bernie Kosar is there getting them right to the doorstep, and yet someone always fumbles. That's kind of how, yeah. how it feels for this uh, for this team. But let me let me turn it back to... Wait, 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 wait let me ask okay, you quick, though. I mean... The Detroit Lions fans are torture, right? Sure. I mean, that's yes. torture. Like, you compare them to the Vikings fans, like yeah. they've experienced the same the same thing. Bar- Barry Sanders was like, uh, do I want to play for the Lions or quit? I'm going to quit. Calvin Johnson was like, hey, Barry, I know exactly what you were thinking. <laughs> I'm, I'm quitting too. And we're probably like three years away from Matthew Stafford walking away from a chance to, like, be the career passing yardage leader because he's like, I don't want to do this either. So I don't know. When guys, when great players walk away from your team and franchise – that feels like torture, especially when you haven't had any success. Yeah, and uh, I think I would put Detroit uh, and Buffalo right up at the top, too. The fact that Buffalo made one playoffs in the last 20 years, and they lost to the Jaguars like 9-6. to six. <laughs> and, Yeah, and, yes. And, and they needed some sort of miracle play by the Bengals to even get them in. Uh, being irrelevant is a totally different level of soul-crushing, I think, for sure. If you're talking about 20 straight years without having any excitement whatsoever, and they try to build you up year after year, and then you know yeah. it's going to be 6-10 and 10 or 7-9, and nine, that, that is, that's a different sort of like, 
hell, uh, level of hell, right? If there's like the different levels of hell, one yeah. is that you get there and then you always lose in disaster form, and then the other is you never get there. I think Vikings yeah. fans have had it a little better with the fact that they're actually there. Um, but in terms of this year, the hardest situation that I can come up with, Myron, for the Wilfs to decide which direction they want to go in the future with this franchise, because a lot rests on this year with the front office, with the head coach, and even with the quarterback as well, um, is the 9-7 and seven scenario, which is also yeah. the most likely. I mean, that's what Vegas is giving them right now, and when you look at the rest of the division, it's not going to be easy. Even Detroit has gotten better, and Green Bay has gotten better just by changing coaches. Chicago, I think, will still be very competitive, and the NFC has a lot of tough teams. The schedule is not very easy for the Vikings. So if you go 9-7, and seven, what do you do? Like, what do you feel about that type of kind of okay season that isn't the 2017 style, but it's still like a lot better than where a lot of teams are at? I mean, if nine and seven is enough to position you for the playoffs and you're competitive there, like here, here's, here's my thing. Here's what I could see for this team. I could see this team having a sloppy first half, right? As they try to regain, get some momentum and then finish strong. Right. And then you if you fall into a nine and seven playoff run because you're seven and two in the last nine games of the season, Dallas Cowboys, people feel differently about you. Yeah. Like nobody remembers that the Cowboys started three and four. Everyone's like, oh, they need Zeke Elliott. He's he's the only way he, he was the key to last season uh, before Mari Cooper gets there. They're three and four. Right. So I don't know if you finish strong, you can change the narrative. So I think to me, a lot of it's going to be about the momentum they take into the playoffs what the division looks like. Is this a division where everybody just beats up on each other and nine and seven gives you a chance to win the division? Uh, we can't answer those questions. But if this is a nine and seven ho-hum, not really in the mix, and if you get into the playoffs, everyone knows you don't have a chance when you get there, that would feel like failure. I guess I'm saying I think there can be different kinds of nine and seven seasons. Maybe that's a cop-out. But it does feel like that's a possibility. I don't think it's a cop-out at all because when you look at the circumstances that they had in 2017, which has now become sort of the everything gets compared to that, I look at 2017 like when you have a first girlfriend and then you compare all the rest of the girls you ever meet to the first girlfriend. Uh, yeah. I just married Latricia. my first girlfriend. Oh, man. But, yeah. Well, that's great. But Latricia, I, you just gave me memories of flashbacks. <laughs> I, I haven't seen her in years, so whatever. You know it's Keep true, going. though. You know it's true, right? It that, is true. Um, people now who, I'm sad. People who have, sad. Yeah, people who ever got second girlfriends, unlike me, have always said this, that <laughs> everyone gets compared to the first. So everything always gets compared to 2017 because it was just magical. Everything went, yeah. their, everything went their way, and Pat Shermer, every play call he dialed up seemed to work, and every time Case Keenum threw the ball up in the air, somebody jumped up and got it and then you know you have the playoff win over the Saints and it was just all of it until Philadelphia was something that you rarely see you get once a every couple of decades a magical season that takes you right to the doorstep and Trying to chase that, I think, is really difficult, Myron, because of the number of things that had to go right for them, including Aaron Rodgers getting hurt and missing two games that season and Mitch Trubisky being a rookie, so there was two more wins for you because rookies yeah. never seem to beat Mike Zimmer. And those things I don't think are going to go right for them this year. I think the path to back to being a 13-3 and NFC Championship team is much tougher. So I, I think your point is not a cop-out. I think it's absolutely correct. If this team does what they're most statistically likely to do, it's really going to be on how it looks. It's going to be if you lose in the first round of the playoffs, is it because another team drives down and kicks a game-winning field goal and you lose 34-31 and you feel like, well, Cousins did his job and showed up. It was just that, you know, we gave up this field goal or something else like I, I think it will totally matter if everything that you said was going to work did work and you just didn't go 13 and three instead you lost some close games maybe you missed a few field goals but cousins was better because of the offense the defense was yeah. great again then i think in 2020 you would say all right well you want zimmer back you want Kirk cousins back because you've seen that this can pretty consistently put you there but if it's one of those struggle seasons like last year even if they had made the playoffs in week 17 after last year i think people would not have been happy with how that looked as a whole so how, yeah. how it feels how it looks the amount of drama that's around the team, that could all make a huge difference if it's 9-7. and seven. Yeah, and, and I think 
I think the thing we can all agree upon, whether or not you think nine and seven uh, will be far below what you expect or uh, about right, there's no more room for excuses. Yep. Like, like I'll tell you what, I'm not going to get to week six, and if this team is struggling, take anything from Mike Zimmer that sounds like an excuse or Kirk Cousins. Like, and no fan should do that, and nobody should accept that. And I think that, to me, is where the line has been drawn. Whether you're 9-7, and 13-3, or 6-10 six, six this year, the excuses are over. You went and said, hey, Anthony Barr, I know you just made a decision to leave. Please don't do it. We need you. We got something going here. Come back. Kirk Cousins, I know it didn't work out the first year. It's going to get better. Trust us. This is what, to me, Mike Zimmer has been preaching. This is what players have been preaching. Don't worry about last year. It was an anomaly with a bunch of new faces coming together, a new leader. Everything will be better this year. And to me, if you struggle, you're not going to get any kind of sympathy. You're not going to get any kind of a, okay, you know what? It's the first year with Kirk Cousins. No way, man. You're either in the playoffs or you're not. So nine and seven or not, if you're not a playoff team, you failed. And there's no other way to look at it this season. Yeah. And this is the interesting part is that if it is nine and seven and missed playoffs or eight and eight and missed playoffs, then what do you do? I mean, that, that, that keeps coming to mind for me. And, and I don't even know what. Vikings fans view as the disaster scenario. But I think the toughest scenario is that average team on the cusp of the playoffs. Maybe you made it. Maybe you didn't. You got into the first round. You didn't show up. You get booted out. Then is it a change of entire direction? Because what they said is exactly what you laid out there is, okay, all those things from last year that went wrong, they won't go wrong this year. We promise. The offensive line's not going to fall apart. We promise. The offensive coordinator's not going to get fired. We promise. We got Gary. We got Coobs here, everybody. Gary's going to make sure everything goes just swimmingly on the offensive side. So when you present all these things to your ownership and to the public, then if they don't come to fruition – you, you you would think that ownership would want to make a change in direction of some kind, but here's where I go back to Myron though is when Mike Zimmer started here, and they're three and thirteen, and they're kind of a laughing stock, and they're going to open a new stadium, and here Mike Zimmer comes in and entirely turns around how this franchise is viewed. I mean, they're in the playoffs, they're consistently in the conversation in the top half of the league in the Vegas odds to win the Super Bowl. They've consistently got one of the best defenses in the NFL. And we always judge everything versus what we expect and what they tell us. But if we yeah. pull back though, I mean, think about how irrelevant this franchise would have been in 2013 and how relevant they are now going into the season and who's been in charge of that. I think it would be really tough for the Wilfs to sit there and go, yeah, well, sorry, you went 8-8 eight and eight instead of 10-6, and six, so see ya, everybody. We're going to blow it all up and change directions. I mean, sometimes you, know, you can do that and get yourself a new coach that doesn't exactly put you in, you know, in the best situation, right? I mean, you know yeah. right now you have a really strong front office and a really strong head coach, and I think if you got to 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs again, but that would put them in a really tough position because I, I think when it comes to Zimmer, blowing it up is, is, is a very dangerous proposition. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, it could be a dangerous situation to, to do that. I will also say this. This is what happens in the NFL, and I think this is sort of the untold story or narrative, right? You can be a good coach but be the wrong coach for a particular team, right? And to me, it would not be about Mike Zimmer being a bad coach as much as it could be in a situation where maybe they limp into the playoffs, maybe they get embarrassed in that first game. You go, Mike Zimmer, we know he's good at this. We know he can do the job. We know that he is a proven uh, coach, and he's been a guy that's helped this team have some success during his time. But we're clearly not moving up. We're not being elevated. We're not getting to that next level. That, to me, is where you could have sort of a cry for a new, some new blood, new leadership. Because my thing is this. If you go 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, get into the playoffs, and you're embarrassed, and it's, it's proof that you're not going to be competitive, then tell me, what's the value of bringing everybody back? Like, what are you competing for? You cannot invest championship dollars into a failing team. Like, that to me is what it comes down to. You cannot invest big money in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and bring Anthony Barr back and do everything you're doing, $28 million quarterback. You can't do these things and then go, okay, it's okay if we're not competitive. You're either contending 
or you're pulling an Arizona Cardinals move and you're drafting Kyler Murray or you're drafting Baker Mayfield or you're drafting Sam Darnold and you're trying to get these new blood, these new young guys, these new pieces of the puzzle, and you're saying, if we can figure out that, then we'll start to build around him, which the Jets have done, which the Browns have done, which if Kyler Murray is the star, a lot of people say he will be, the Cardinals will do the same thing there. But you don't have a choice to me if you're the Wilfs and you're struggling and you don't, you're not competitive, what are you investing in if this is the result? Mm-hmm. Blowing it up might be painful in the short term, but long term, it could be the best option if this season is a failure. Well, I think the elephant in the room there, though, Myron, would be if you do go 8-8, eight and eight, if it's a classic Kirk Cousins season of 4,200 yards, 27 touchdowns, 10 picks, and 8 wins, then it's hard for me to look at Mike Zimmer and say, you did this. Because he didn't bring a 500 quarterback here and spend all the money that limited their amount of cap space that puts you in a situation to be a 500 team consistently. And he, he wouldn't be the one that was out there coming up short in every prime time or big game, right? That would no, be no, the no, quarterback no, no. that they hire. He, he wouldn't, Kyler, but that doesn't matter. You and I both know that, right? Perception is what matters, yeah. right? Yeah. But perception is the only thing that matters. Again, I think Zimmer can be a good coach. I think Zimmer can be a really good coach, and I think the Wilfs can still come to the, the conclusion that he's not the right coach to bring us to the level that we expect to be at when we invest this kind of cash. So, no, it's not going to be him if Kirk Cousins has that kind of year, but the perception is going to be. Here's what football here, – insiders know this. I don't think people realize what football fans don't know. Here's what they don't know. They don't know how hands-on Mike Zimmer is. Sure, they know he's not an offensive guy, but they, they don't know you know how much – uh, responsibility he has with Kirk Cousins and whether or not he's talking to him about play calling and all these things. Mm-hmm. But they do know he's the leader. And if the, the leader can't connect with the most important leader on his team and that guy's not getting the job done, we got to make a change. That's how fans think. And I think that will be the perception of Mike Zimmer in that situation. No, I, I think you're right. And we saw some of that from last year at the end of the season, even when they come just short and they're a field goal in Green Bay away from uh, being in the playoffs last year. Yes. And yes. It, there were a lot of fans who felt like, well, you know, with Zimmer, you're just never going to be able to have a consistently good offense. And there's some truth to that when you have a defensive head coach and you don't have a franchise quarterback that is among the five best who just keep you in the conversation all the time. Uh, Let's take a quick break here, Myron, and I want to come back and talk about what we've seen so far in training camp. I want to answer your questions because you're in Nebraska and you're reporting on stuff because you write about college basketball. (laughs) So I am here. I am boots on the ground here, Myron, at uh, you know TCO Performance Center every day watching practice. So I want to answer your questions about camp. And let's talk about Mike Zimmer being salty because I think the best sign I have seen is actually Mike Zimmer. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar in studio, and uh, as always, Myron Metcalf is somewhere else. It's like we've only met maybe one or two times, and it's been uh, a few times. Now, now he's in Nebraska, <laughs> uh, but we'll be doing this every single Friday uh, when we actually get to real football games. Um, unless you call the Hall of Fame real football, Myron, you watched that last night, didn't you? Oh, I was watching. Oh, I watched every down. You remember and, the, and, all the plays yeah. that happened? Listen, I just I was looking for the defensive pass interference challenges and to see how that played out. It happened. So that, that's what I mean. It yeah, did it happen. Did. It was fairly quick that they that yes. they got it taken care of. I, I will admit to you, Myron, I did watch the entire game. I watched the whole Hall of Fame game last night, and I just want to say that a guy named Kurt Benkert is absolutely yes. going to be a journeyman <laughs> quarterback, and I am yes. excited for his career. Yes, I'm with you, man. I'm <laughs> I'm with you 100%. Uh, and also Drew Locke, man. Uh, John Elway might just be really bad at 
picking quarterbacks. But um, anyway, so uh, I've been out here every day watching practice, and uh, you've been uh, on the road and doing different things. So I want you to ask me questions you're interested in, Myron. Like, what do you need to know? If I'm getting you up to speed on camp, what are you yeah. interested in? Well, the, the primary question is, I've seen quotes about expectations from Adam Thielen and Kirk Cousins, and it seemed like guys on two different sides of how you approach that. I've seen quotes from Stefan Diggs saying that his relationship with Kirk Cousins is sort of a work in progress. The number one question I have is, what is that relationship? Kirk Cousins, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, what is the status of that relationship? Is it improving? And how much confidence do you have that it will grow over the course of the season? So that, that's a really good question. And so far in camp, both Diggs and Thielen have looked amazing because guess what? They're super good at football. It's yes. outrageous. <laughs> I can't explain this to people. It's like when you stand on the sideline, you really get it. You see, yeah. you see Diggs break out of a route and the corners goes flying. You see Diggs blow by Xavier Rhodes, who's one of the most talented cornerbacks in the NFL, and make a catch over his head like Willie Mays style and just be wow. like, yep, I made that catch. And then you watch all these other guys trying to make the team. You're like, yeah, <laughs> wow, these guys are great. So they've looked fantastic, those two, so far working with Kirk Cousins. But we know that that question is really going to get answered when we get to some adversity, when we see them ha not be necessarily on the same page. But the one thing I could say for the offense that I have seen so far is the situational stuff has been a lot better, especially with the red zone has been a lot better. And Kirk Cousins said that he regretted not throwing to Kyle Rudolph in the red zone when Rudolph wasn't necessarily open, but he's just a big football man and can make plays. Yeah. And, I, and I think that that level of self-awareness, for Kirk Cousins to actually come out and say, I regret not doing this, I was wrong, I should have thrown you the ball in the end zone, is actually a form of progress for Kirk yeah. Cousins. He didn't have an excuse for it because he, in practice, and I know it's practice, but it was a great play that Kyle Rudolph made it at the back of the end zone. And I think everybody who was watching went, uh, hey, Kirk, Kyle's been doing that since 2012, buddy. Maybe you should give that a try <laughs> next year, right? And they were something like 20th or 22nd in red zone last year. Maybe you're a little better if you just throw it up to Kyle Rudolph. So, I, I mean, I think from that perspective, Kirk Cousins came into this year maybe understanding that Everything that he did last year was not perfect, Kirk Cousins, and maybe there were some things no. that, that he could do a little better. That doesn't mean they won't get into a sideline scuffle again. Um, but I would also say this, Myron, I, I have been kind of of the mind that in year two, they understand how this guy operates better. I think they were taken by yeah. surprise a little bit, and now they know. And so when they talk about work in progress, they're not saying, uh, oh, yeah, we're on the same page, it's perfect. And, and as a quick aside... It is funny for a team that went thirteen and three with Case Keenum, who they barely played with, like, yeah. right to to go. Well, you know, it takes a couple of years. Like, <laughs> yeah, it uh, takes some time. No, like, it doesn't. Yeah. Not for you guys. Sam <laughs> like, Bradford beats the Packers at home, and he's been here for like yeah. six days. And he's throwing <laughs> bombs to digs. It doesn't take two years. But uh, you know, I I think that they're they're not trying to present it as all is perfect. I think that they're yeah. saying, you know what, we've we've kind of made these adjustments in the new offense which does look a heck of a lot better than it looked in camp last year, is going to help everybody. I know, um, I know Zimmer was upset with the, uh, with the rookie wideouts and you know, uh, blasting those guys about getting into a rhythm and figuring things out. But am I crazy to think that you know, it's not that third receiver, but the tight end depth is going to be one of the keys to changing this offense potentially if you're Kirk Cousins? Yeah, no, this is really interesting because it's very clear to me, Myron, that Chad Beebe is the third wide receiver. Um, a lot would have to happen for him not to be. Probably yeah. an, in an injury would the only thing would be the only thing that prevented him from not being the third wide receiver. You're going to see yeah. Diggs, Thielen, and Chad Beebe, and my guess is nobody else. Maybe Jordan huh. Taylor gets on the field, but I'd be surprised at this point because nobody else has looked even halfway decent to me out there in practice. But your point about the tight ends is absolutely correct, that not only has Irv Smith looked pretty good, and he does have wheels, and I, and I think he's going to be able to get 
get open lining up in the slot, lining up at wide receiver, maybe a little bit in the backfield, coming out of the backfield on flat routes and things like that to get him the ball. I think they're going to run some tight end screens. But even beyond him, Tyler Conklin has actually looked kind of great, which last year, Tyler Conklin during training camp, fifth round pick, we kind of went, eh, you know, he catches five passes in his first season. Okay, this guy, you know, he's just another classic late round tight end, but not the super fastest guy, but one of those players that you could throw the ball up to and he can actually make a play. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're rotating in tight ends all the time, staying in Mm. two tight end sets, sometimes even three tight end sets and running play action out of those. I think that's a better plan. And then to have Chad Beebe rotating in than it is to try to run three or four wide receivers all the time. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that. I guess the big question I have, though, is if a wide receiver gets hurt, if somebody goes down for three weeks, who is even filling in? You'd have BB, and then I don't know after that. Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, that could be a problem if if the Vikings encounter that situation. But I'm fascinated to see, you know, these tight ends and whether or not that gives this team the enhancements offensively that they've been looking for. On the other side of the ball, you know, I got to admit, I was surprised by the reaction to uh, Anthony Barr re-signing after the Jets situation. Because it was all of a sudden like, oh, my goodness, we got him. He's staying. But I remember the narrative being, do we want him to stay? Yeah. I mean, which one are we going to get? I mean, which Anthony Barr is going to show up? So how has he looked? And does he appear to be a guy who understands the expectations uh, attached to everything that just transpired? The, the way that I would put on Anthony Barr is, and, and actually this is a good question. A few people have thrown this out there of like, oh, is, he, is this now after they re-sign him? Now does he get the role he wants? Is he going to be a pass rusher? Here's your answer. No. He's going to be the exact same guy. They mm. signed up for the exact same Anthony Barr that they've had for the last few years, and that's what you're going to get. I mean, in terms of how he looks in practice, I couldn't tell you if that's an indicator he's going to have ups and downs in real games or not, but I could tell you from the role that he's played, we haven't seen him at the edge. We haven't seen him lining up in different places or anything like that. Anthony Barr is going to be Anthony Barr. But, you know, Myron, when I started looking into his role a little bit more and just sort of studying the value of what he brings as a completely unique linebacker in 2019, somebody who is six foot five, 260 pounds, and can run in the four five four six. You know, there's an advantage to that when every team yeah. wants to throw to their running backs. I mean, this team's going to face Saquon Barkley at some point. Well, that's going to be a huge assignment for Anthony Barr. And how many linebackers, the undersized guys, can take down Saquon Barkley? Um, not that many yeah. alone, right? And I, and I think that. Even though he has some inconsistencies, there's no question about that, um, that the player they have for this year, on the cap hit he has for this year, is worth it. Going forward, I don't know if he's going to be, but I think for right now, he's a very valuable part of their defense as a third-down pass rusher and as a guy who can cover running backs, cover tight ends out of the backfield, and is very smart and versatile. So there's a lot more to it than, well, you know, his PFF grade has only been okay. But I think, but I think it's yeah. a lot more complicated than that when it comes to Barr. So I, I actually thought it was the right decision to bring him back. I was, I was watching the Broncos uh, game yesterday, the pre preseason game against the Falcons, uh, and, and they mentioned you know how Gary Kubiak and, you know, obviously wasn't a coordinator for the Broncos, and that was a surprising move to some folks. And I'm curious about what he's doing now in camp. I mean, how are they? What's his his role? You know, how is he interacting? How is he getting involved in play calling and you know, is he having conversations with cousins? Is he kind of standing off to the side and being kind of a quiet guy? Like, what is he doing? Oh, sorry, uh, Myron. We can't tell you what Gary Kubiak does. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this, this has been, I mean, this has been sort of the, the, the running joke of just like yeah. every press conference with Gary Kubiak is like, so what do you do exactly? And, th- and then we get, well, it's a collaborative effort. And you're like, okay, but like what part is yours? You know, if you yeah. and I uh, collaborate, Myron, to do a podcast, we know this is my role, this is your role, so maybe yeah. you explain it. And, and we, we've gotten nothing from anybody. Um, our, you know, Courtney Cronin asked Mark Wilf, so how exactly did you guys decide to hire Gary Kubiak? And it was, um, well, I don't remember. <laughs> Okay, what, what, it is like, uh, I can't wait for the Netflix special on how Gary Kubiak got here and what he does, um, but 
from a practice standpoint, he is in constant communication with Kirk Cousins. He's standing behind the offense all the time. And it seems to me, Myron, that Gary Kubiak is going to be the guy that talks to Mike Zimmer on a daily basis and tells him, all right, here's, here's kind of the, the big picture of what's going on. Here's what, here's okay. what we're doing. Here's how it's going. And uh, when it comes to game planning, I would imagine that him and Kevin Stefanski work together. And when it comes to play calling, it's going to be Kevin Stefanski calling the plays, but Gary is in his ear. And Rick Dennison yeah. is in his ear as well, which is common. I mean, they usually have the whole offensive staff on the headsets. And, and I think that's just how it's going to go. But from how it's looked so far with the offense, um, it's just been a lot better. I mean, there, there's no yeah. question. I mean, the, the the body language, I like to look at that as much as the plays is sort of how is Kirk Cousins just sort of carrying himself. He showed a little frustration in OTAs, but so far in camp it has been pretty consistent on a daily basis, aside from Daniil Hunter ruining everyone's day um, and yeah. sacking Kirk Cousins all the yeah. time. But aside, aside from that, it has been, I think, a big gain. And that, and that I was going to mention that, that when Zimmer came out and called out his defense yesterday, yeah. said, man, they don't have the intensity and so forth. Well, I actually think that's a really good sign because that means that his defense is actually getting beat now and then by this offense. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I don't know how much time we have, but I want to get to that because I think Zimmer's attitude, I, remarkable. I love it. Like I, I love that he's dialed in, and I love that he's willing to call out his defense, call out anybody. Like that's the vibe I think you need uh, from a leader going into a season like this. Like I, I love what he's doing. No, I totally agree. I mean, when your team has been good for a long time on the defensive side, every once in a while you have to send a message to remind them that like this is a big deal. Like it, this isn't well, just you can't just float through camp and then show up on week one. No, and let's let's stop pretending that this isn't one of the most vicious job auditions in the world, right? Let, let, let's stop pretending that this isn't a situation where dozens of guys are going to find out that their NFL hopes, at least for the foreseeable future, are over, right? Like, that's what we're dealing with, you know? And I, I, we hear so many other coaches who give us the whole, everybody's doing well, Matt. Everybody's <laughs> looking great. Yeah. Everyone's doing – and then it's like, wait a minute, you're going to cut 30 of these guys before the season starts, and you're saying everybody's good? Don't give me that. Be honest. Be real. Be direct. A bunch of these guys are going home. This is not for everybody. And that's the situation. That's what I want to hear more than the, you know, balloons and rainbows from guys. Yeah. From a reporter perspective, um, Mike Zimmer is a bad liar and he's very easy, <laughs> very easy to read a lot of times. And sometimes he just comes out and straight up tells you. Sometimes he wants to send a message through the media and we will accept that, Myron. It's yes. like, oh, <laughs> you want to give us a free storyline for today? We accept. Thank you very yes. much. Um, uh, so I, I have a great appreciation, even though he can be terse at times throughout the season when things get tense, I have a great appreciation for his willingness to show his cards a lot of times and how he feels about players. And the other day somebody asked, well, what's uh you know, Holton Hill's working on the third team. And you know, what do you kind of think of what, what's going to happen here with him being suspended and everything? And Mike Zimmer said, I don't even think about Holton Hill. I was like, all, uh, right, all wow. right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what, uh, before we wrap up the segment, Myron, what position group do you want to know about? Like what, aside from the wide receivers, what has kind of, um, what, what might be on your mind as we get into the preseason games that you'll actually like want to watch and, and, and where 99% of fans get their first sort of viewing? Cause we're getting yeah. closer and closer to that. Well, because I'm always, concerned that we're not going to get 16 games out of Dalvin Cook. I am curious about running back and what's happening at that position. Okay, um, so Alexander Madison has looked really good. The third round pick, uh, they traded back and traded back and traded back and then picked him, and even though People like myself liked uh, some other players higher uh, in that third round, and it is the running back position. And maybe they could have gotten him in the fourth round anyway, so all that off the table. He's looked really good. I mean, I've had a couple of conversations with Alexander, and he's a very, very bright guy that can uh, catch on fast and seems to have 
some of the similar traits to Delvin Cook. I know they compared him to Latavius Murray, but um, you know he seems to be very good at at finding where the holes are and and taking it. You know uh, that one step, put the foot in the ground, if you will, Myron, and, and burst up field, and then he could catch the ball out of the backfield. I have not seen a lot from Mike Boone so far. He's really going to have to show up uh, in the preseason because Amir Abdullah has actually looked yeah. really good. Um, really? Yeah, he's the guy that they brought over from the Lions, and yeah. he's a more versatile guy. Like They've done a lot of stuff in practice where he starts out in the backfield, and then he goes out to wide receiver, and they throw him the ball, and he's got really good hands and another very bright guy. So I think that Mike Boone is going to have some work to do to stay on this team, but as far as how Alexander Madison has looked, it's it's been really impressive. That doesn't mean that I'm sure he can step right in and do the same things Delvin Cook can. It just means yeah. that... If you're terrified of Delvin Cook's hammies, um, you know maybe it's maybe it's not quite as bad as it might feel behind him. They'll be okay. You think? I mean, I think that, so, yeah. you, you don't you don't want to see that situation. Obviously, with Delvin Cook, but if if it happens, they're prepared. And Delvin Cook like. looks fantastic. I mean, he, yeah. he he looks like a guy who had a healthy offseason for the first time in a long time. And can't wait to see it. He looks, you know, very explosive and everything else. So, if you're drafting him on your fantasy team. Uh, well, don't trust me with anything, but I endorse that he's looked very good in practice. Um, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back. ESPN did a cool article about the players you would pick to build a team. What is it, over the next three years, Myron, Is it to yeah. win a Super Bowl? All right, Next well, three years. Well, let's talk about if any Minnesota Vikings would make the list. 2.44 here at Score North. Time for the Score North. Download Jonathan here. This download brought to you by MyPillow. Last week as Vikings training, camp, Vikings training Camp opened up, we heard about the Vikings working out for former first-round pick or Morris Claiborne, but since then we haven't heard much despite the Vikings needing depth at the position through the first four games. Well, Ian Rappaport broke the news a little while ago why we probably haven't heard much from the Vikings side about that potential move since... Morris Claiborne is facing a four-game suspension for violations of the substance abuse policy. He's appealing, and it could be reduced, but that's probably why we haven't heard anything from the Vikings side, because that's why they would need him to cover in depth while players are suspended or serving suspensions, and if he's facing a suspension himself, there's probably a good reason why the Vikings haven't looked into it. That's your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, final segment with Myron Metcalf, who is, uh, I don't know, on assignment in a cornfield in Nebraska (laughs) somewhere for some reason that we are not allowed to disclose. Um, (laughs) Myron, so uh, you sent me this article from ESPN. It's It's a fun concept of picking 10 players to build a team around if you were trying to win a Super Bowl in the next three years. Uh, What if I told you, Myron, that I don't need 10? I need like four. I don't even need ten. You could you can have ten. You could you could pick ten. I'll just pick three or four as long as I get Patrick Mahomes and you don't. Oh well, I mean, see, you know, that that's how I think a lot of people probably thought going into this because t- to me, you're gonna get an elite quarterback first, right? And then from there, what's your second pick? I would imagine some receiver. You're gonna try to make sure he has a receiver like a, you know, whether Michael Thomas or uh, someone like that. I'll just I'll just do this. I'll just take. Mahomes, the top left tackle in the league. I don't know who's the young best top left tackle in the league these days, but because uh, Trent Williams would be the guy I say, but he's sort of getting a little older. But but yeah. whatever, give me Trent Williams anyway, since it's a three year deal. Give me Mahomes, give me the left tackle, give me DeAndre Hopkins, and give me Julio Jones and wh- whoever else you want. I don't think anyone's beating that. I think in in the league today as it's currently constructed when the four best teams in offense are the four best teams that go or the four teams that end up in the championship games i think we're seeing a lot more of that and a lot fewer and farther between where some team that's got the 17th best offense and number one defense ends up in the super bowl yeah i mean obviously uh we've seen that often now that the the caveat there is that you get the 10 players but everyone at the other position, every other player on your roster, 43 guys are average. That's okay. Like, so 
There are no other stars on your roster, just those ten guys. I think we're winning. I think we're winning with just those four because I think that those are the four that make the most difference. You could give me Alexander Madison at running back. Like, okay, we'll make it work. Damian Williams yeah. made it work. He was like a third round pick or something for Kansas City last year. Kansas City had an abomination of a defense. If you're giving me an average defense with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl last year. But instead, yeah. they were like, you know, 20 something in defense and couldn't stop. Rob Gronkowski and couldn't stop the Patriots even once it seemed in the championship game but you know I, I think it just makes such a huge difference to have the quarterback those few playmakers and then you know look really my team is basically kind of what the Saints have had the last few years Teron Armstead is their left tackle you got Michael Thomas Elvin Kamara is basically a wide receiver slash running back and yeah. and and you're good to go with a bunch of average players on defense aside from you know Cameron Jordan, who's elite, and uh, Lattimore is very good. But aside from that, I, I think you you don't even need ten. Is my point. But if I'm picking yeah. ten, well, well, tell tell well, me where you start that conversation. Can I can I be honest with you? My my concern on Mahomes is can he continue to play this way um, consistently? My concern is a guy like that who takes the kind of risk that he takes, as great as he is. Those guys get hurt sometimes you know they get banged up a little bit look at Carson Wentz yeah. who you know Carson Wentz has been a guy who just refuses to act like a franchise quarterback who who wants to play more than six or seven years in the league like he just it's just how he's wired and Mahomes is the same way so that kind of risk taking would be the only concern I would have Mahomes would obviously be the number one pick I'll tell you who's a close number two for me though if I'm starting the team can I guess Andrew oh you're go gonna ahead, go luck okay I thought you might go Deshaun Watson Andrew Luck. Okay, because Andrew De- Luck. Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck would be neck and neck for me for the next pick. Protected Andrew Luck was an MVP candidate last year. Yep. I mean, you, you let Andrew Luck get sacked 16 times in a season, that guy can play as well as anybody. Um, so that would be my close number two. So the, the I agree re- on the wideout. Go ahead. The reason that I might pick Deshaun Watson is that he had the worst offensive line in the league last year and still put up like 4,800 yards, yes, 500 yards rushing and brought his yeah. team. It's like you don't even you don't even need a good offensive line. You, you give yeah. me an average offensive line with Deshaun Watson, and I think he's going to make plays and, and get me to a Super Bowl. But I, I wouldn't say just yet he's better than Andrew Luck because I think Andrew Luck is incredible and has had bad yeah. teams in the past that he got 11 wins out of. Um, but those two, to me, are neck and neck for who you would absolutely want for the next, give me any number of years as your quarterbacks. So is it safe to say that the way you would build a team is you would essentially allow everyone on defense to be average? That's I mean, fine. Yeah, that's fine with offense. Yep, and That's but, kind of how I was thinking. It's like, well, give me, give me an elite defensive coordinator. Guys? Really? Okay. If you give me an elite defensive coordinator, I think he takes average talent and makes it better than that. I, I can see that. For me, I would have to have, give me Khalil Mack. And 10 average guys, I'll take it. Okay, that'll work. I'll yep, take it. That'll work. Because you can still be pretty good. And then everyone else, you're just taking on offense. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I would, would totally protect. I would protect my quarterback. Yep. Mean, my, my focus would be an offensive line protecting my quarterback, two or three great targets. We're good. I absolutely think if I were just building a team from scratch, let's say that they hired me tomorrow as the GM of the Miami yep. Dolphins, what I would do is, and they said, okay, you've got like five years or something. First draft would be three offensive linemen. The second draft would be three offensive linemen. Let's see if yep. any wide receivers emerge. And if they don't, then we go out and you know pay one who's on the free agent yep. market or something like that. Um, aside from getting, you know, after you get that offensive line, then in year three of the draft, I am taking the number one quarterback and trading up for Boom. him. Because you know, the more I've covered this team, Myron, the more I see that unless you have someone as special as Deshaun Watson who can make up for that offensive line, uh, it really needs to be there. I mean, it's just like a fundamental football truth. But if you have so, – so you need to have an average line. Like Drew Brees, yeah. I think, has had a, a very good line. Um, but if you have an amazing line, if you have the number one line in the league – you can do things that nobody else can do out there. And and that's where I would kind of begin. So I, I'm with you of like get that number one quarterback, draft your weapons and your linemen, and then you're probably in really good shape. Now, would you pick among your ten any Minnesota Vikings? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, because to me, the guys I would consider, you know, a, a Harrison Smith, and even an Adam Thielen on offense, I don't know that they would rise to the level of, first, second, third, fourth pick for me. So I, I don't 
right now I don't think there would be a Minnesota Viking on in my ten. Nothing against them, but I think my ten would not be would not include a Minnesota Viking. I think if I stretched on wide receiver, I could get to Stephon Diggs because, to me, he's one of the most unguardable and efficient wide receivers in the league. When you look a little closer at how uh, quarterbacks perform when they throw in his direction, and this goes for Thielen too, but Diggs being an outside receiver, there are far fewer outside receivers who can beat people one-on-one than there are guys who line up in the slot and put up big numbers. It's, it's not a knock on Thielen. Trust me, he's amazing. But um, in terms of how replaceable that is, how difficult it is to find an elite player there, I think I, yeah. I, I might stretch it and, and go with Diggs. It's hard to take him over Odell Beckham. It's hard to take yeah. him over you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins or somebody like that. On the defensive side, Harrison Smith would definitely be um, among the three safeties that you would pick in the league. And if you were talking about long term, it's the, you know the question is three years. But if you were talking even longer than that, give me Daniil Hunter. The guy is still like yeah. twenty four years old. Like we, yeah. how? <laughs> like yeah, how is he only twenty four years sense. old? It's that unbelievable. Sent that up. Who, who would your coach be? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, is like Belichick. It, Belichick is like the Michael Vick Madden '04. Like you, you're not allowed to pick Belichick if you're picking yeah. which coach <laughs> yeah. you could select. That's yeah. that's a good can, question. Um, yeah. You know, it would be hard not to pick Sean McVay because yeah. how they've turned everything around. But I might go. I might go Andy Reid and try to get that man a Super Bowl. Is because yeah. Andy Reid is basically Sean McVay, only like the older and yeah. <laughs> chubbier version. Yeah. But, but for yeah. a very long time, this guy has taken good teams and made them great. He's taken good players and made them great. I think that was yeah. the thing with Donovan McNabb is that he was a, a good quarterback who had a lot of great seasons in part because of Andy Reid. And then you take a great talent. Mahomes might be an all-time talent. And then look what you do with him. Uh, you know, yeah. in his first year as a starter, and Alex Smith comes there as you know having some success at the end in San Francisco, but then you know just becomes a consistent ten, eleven, twelve game winner in Kansas City under Andy Reid. I would love to have him, but give me, give me, a, make sure I get a defensive coordinator who is really great and proven, like Mike Zimmer, because I think that's going to take those average players and elevate them. I'm with you, man. All right. I like that. Fun conversation here today, Myron. We'll do it again next Friday. Please stay safe amongst the corn in, uh, in Nebraska. And uh, will. we will check in with you again uh, in a week. We'll take a quick break. When we return, wide receiver Donald Jones, former NFL wide receiver Donald Jones, is going to break down what it takes to stand out in camp as a wide receiver who was undrafted. That's what he did, made the team as an undrafted receiver in his day. So we're going to discuss, plus the hardest NFL route to run. Lots of good stuff coming from uh, Donald Jones. When we return, you are listening. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.